Hello, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome to Rooted in Time Genealogy with your hosts, Nicole and Melody. Today, we're continuing our Trauma Begets Trauma series by resuming our dialogue on the subject of Vasper Wright. Links to source material are available at rootedintime.net. You will find primary source documents, relevant newspaper articles, and images, if available. A list of our services can be found there as well. Also, be sure to check out the blogs that you can find on the website that may have more detailed information if any of these topics interest you. So we do have some trigger warnings. Throughout the series, instances of family violence, emotional, mental, and physical abuse, incest, childhood abuse, neglect, self-harm, drug and alcohol abuse, and sexual assault will be discussed. So we completely understand if you are unable to finish this series. And if you are in a domestic violence situation, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 800-799-7233. You can also send a text with the word START to 88788. If you are in need of local mental health or domestic violence resources, you can always call 211 and receive assistance from the United Way. If you are in an emergency situation or having a mental health crisis, please dial 911. Episode 2 of this series expanded upon the notion of generational trauma by looking into the formative years of Vasper Wright in search of definitive clues that abuses and traumas were a part of his everyday life. We walked away with no solid evidence of such abuses. This episode will continue that story. This series explores how traumas and abuses from generations past have impacted my generation and beyond. There are individuals who are still living that are impacted by this trauma, but no real names of the living will be included unless we have their consent. Their names can then be redacted at any time. So I wanted to start off, go ahead and start off with a quick summary of Vasper's early years. We left off about 1930. We know that he was born in 1907. He was a citizen of the United States. He had seven brothers and sisters, or he had six other brothers and sisters. Yes. So he was he, one of seven. He was one of seven. <laughs> so there we go. And he was one, in the middle. Yes. He was the third <laughs> of seven children. Um, when he was growing up, he was a farmer. Later on, he became a coal miner. He marries Annie Thorne in 1927. She was 17. He was 19. And they lived in Rock, Mercer County, West Virginia, which was a relatively rural place. However, mm -hmm. it had started growing because of the coal demand for energy. By this point, he had one son that we know of, and that's Leo. And more than likely, he was a Methodist because most of the rites did attend the Methodist church. So while looking at everything from Vasper's childhood, it, there's nothing concrete or apparent that he was a victim of childhood abuses or traumas. Mm -hmm. And we know once we get through this podcast, everyone will know that Vasper caused a lot. He was very abusive. Um, he caused a lot of traumas and was the first known person within our family on that side to be the start of this generational trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we also see it with uh, his brother as well. Um, Claude. He wasn't exactly, yeah, his brother Claude, um, who those two, they were very close in age, if I remember correctly. So yeah, Two years. Yeah, so um, 
yeah, we kind of see that too with him. It makes me wonder how his other siblings were as an adult. I mean, I know generational trauma has to have a beginning, has to have an Mm -hmm. origin somewhere. Yes. Do you think it's possible that there was no underlying thing in his childhood? I would find it rare that there was nothing. If you look at their circumstance, like he was, poverty was definitely an issue. So trauma and poverty, oftentimes poverty in itself is a source, can be a source of trauma. You know, whenever you're worried about, oh, what are we going to eat? What are we going to do that? Um, And having seven children to take care of. Yeah. I'm sure his parents were pretty stressed and they weren't an affluent family by any means, which we'll see in um, Vasper that comes up as well. um, His money issues. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if that was something that they dealt with as children as well. So, and from my understanding, it was what farmers were. Yeah. So his dad worked on his dad's which would be vasper's grandfather Mm -hmm. on his farm okay so they had a lot of land his grandfather did Mm -hmm. but i think at this time farming was starting to not be as lucrative as it was previously because you now had coal for one thing you had logistics the railroad you have things like that going into town getting products that are more industrial yeah yeah so i think with the fact of like how he was raised a working farm seven children probably not that well off financially and the fact that what we see with his own life and how he abused others i don't think it stemmed from thin air it's yeah rare if that happens typically you will see it spout somewhere and you'll see it and especially since there was more than just him in the family that have these kind of traits yeah if he was an outlier i think i'd be more prone to believe that there was nothing there exactly understanding how people kind of develop and become abusers it's hard for me to believe that there wasn't any abuse yeah, in his and background. Not, and it's not to say that it stemmed from his parents. Maybe something happened outside of the family True. or whatnot. But I'd be hard pre- just because, I mean, seeing it in our own family too. Um, yeah. If you look at, you know, our own dad and stuff like that, his parents were good people, you know? Um, but there was abuse that was done that was outside of the family to our dad, which we're not going to get into, but. Well, we will just not in this podcast. Place. Yeah. But um, so it stemmed from, I think that a lot, a, a source of it anyways. So, um, but yeah, that's just kind of my personal opinion. Now, do I think there are some very rare cases where it's just something is just wrong in the minds. Like, you know, you, <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you listen to those crime documentaries and things like that of, you know, like Jeffrey Dahmer and like all those kind of people and <laughs> like where that comes from. Do I think sometimes just there's something wrong that happens in development? Maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. 
in an article by Bill Archer from the Bluefield Daily Telegraph, they um, wrote an article about what people remembered from the coal mining days. And one of the individuals that they talked to, his name was James, and they called him Pedro Spencer. And what he said struck me. He said that every holla, and that's how what they would call a lot of the little areas that you would go and live, had a name and most were divided. It's fine. They, <laughs> wow. <laughs> they had a name and most were divided by nationalities, races. And this was something that I didn't think of. I mean, we see the division in real life, so I don't know why I didn't see it, but wealth. Mm-hmm. So depending upon how wealthy your family was, that told you where you were going to actually have your house. So he said, we lived in Red Hala, um, and he pointed to the top of a steep tree-covered mountain, so the top of the mountain. The families who lived there were separated by how much money they had with the richest ones at the mouth, which means would be at the lowest area, probably the easiest area to get to work and get Mm -hmm. places. We lived all the way up in the head of the Hala, he said, pronouncing the word as though it was spelled Hala. No one really had a lot of money. Spencer continued, it was a close-knit community where everyone got along. When I read this, I was like, you know, why didn't it ever dawn on me that if they were in coal mining camps and they were at the bottom rung of the economic ladder, they weren't even going to be privileged enough to live with people of higher standing. Hmm. And it, it seems like that would make you kind of feel a little bit worthless. Or at least not even equal to. Well, absolutely. And it also just shows the amount of diff- the disparity between, you know, the rich and the poor. And we've seen it in so many different circumstances. Even in today, um, if you look at that kind of stuff, there's certain places like in every city where if you sit there and you say, oh, that's in this part of this city and you people will be like, oh. That's that part that yeah don't really know if you want to go there. I mean, you still see it in subtle ways today. Not even subtle, in ways today, the disparity between it. The other side of the tracks. Yeah, the other side of the tracks. You know, what, like 8 Mile? I just recently rewatched that movie, so that's why it came Of course mind, you did. But of course. <laughs> but like 8 Mile, that's a thing, you know? And then like in Houston, you know, I, I don't live too far out from Houston. And it's like, what, the third ward? Yeah, you go to certain wards and you know that those wards, fifth ward especially, yeah. have, they're like, you you don't, we were always told you don't go to them. Yeah. And I mean, it's just like, but whenever you say that, how do you think the people there feel? Yeah. You know, um, because circumstances made it to where they possibly couldn't move to a more affluent thing. Because it's almost like it's very difficult We talk about, you know, you hear the glass ceiling for women, you know, whenever it comes to jobs. The mining camps were notorious for causing people to have to stay in their economic situation Mm -hmm. because they would rent the houses. They would rent the thing, the the actual tools and expect it to be, you know, repaid essentially. And they would use scripts where you would get, it was money but it could mm-hmm. only be used at their stores. Well, and I mean, you think about that kind of job too. 
I don't really think there was a lot of ways to move up in a company that way. No. You know, so it was like, oh, you're a coal miner. I, I'm not sure about like management opportunities or working your way up the wheelhouse. No. And I was, whenever um, I was talking to Nicole earlier, I was telling her, you know, there's a study that was done because I was curious. And I was just like, I wonder what the mental health was like for coal miners. And I did find a study and it does show that a lot of times people who work in those type of, this one was specific for coal mining because you're dealing with hazardous materials, dangerous environments, you know, um, risky things. And it wasn't abnormal for people who work in coal mining to have issues with substance abuse, to have issues with, um, just their mental health in general, you know? So that was done. Let me see. This was published in 2021 and it was just mental health and mine workers. And I'll put and the link to it. Yeah. Well, I'll put the link and everything. So I'll send that over there, but, um, to Nicole, but also because of the hard labor that coal mining people endured, it wasn't abnormal for them to deal with chronic pain issues mm. too, which again can cause, and you're talking about the thirties and forties whenever this was taking place. And so there was a lot less available and less knowledge back then than we even have today. So I'll definitely link that though and send it out and stuff. Cause it is, it's an interesting read okay. and to think about how, you know, that's a study that was done about basically today's society. It just makes me wonder, okay, well, go ahead and magnify that a bit, you know, yeah. for that time period, whenever Vasper was working in that. Now, we're going to start moving through Vasper's life I'm starting in 1931 because I found a case on newspapers.com about him. It was a notice of bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. Essentially, it says that he was already declared bankrupt, adjudicated bankrupt on June 30th, 1931. But this was telling that made him he was like 24. That's so young. Yeah, he was almost 25. Like, had it been a few days later, because I think his birthday was July 7th, he would have mm -hmm. been 25. But yeah, he, he was young. He had a wife. We know he had at least one child by mm -hmm. that time. So I was trying to wrap my head around why a strong 24-year-old male could not seem to find employment and or keep a job. And the only thing I can really do is conjecture because nothing yeah. really was out there saying this is what happened. But McComas, it said he lived in McComas. And okay. that happened to be at one point in time, the largest coal camp in Mercer County. Mm -hmm. So that area is the same area that I was talking about with that article about Bill Archer. Mm -hmm. the thing was there was a lot of work in that area well and i mean if we talk about conjecture you know just knowing what we know about like you know percy which is one of his sons our our mom's dad alcoholism was a problem yeah. so it does make me wonder did he have any vices that was eating oh we know alcohol their money 
Yeah. So, which means he wasn't using his money in a smart way, most likely. But again, financial support and learning how to finance is a learned thing that you do. I doubt he had somebody teaching him. (laughs) Oh, no. Definitely not. This did lead me down a rabbit hole. (laughs) Oh, dear. Of course. And I'm not, I didn't, I can't get these sources yet because I have to go to West Virginia to actually look through these sources and hopefully I'll get the opportunity one day. But there's an Eastern Regional Coal Archive held at Craft Memorial Library in Bluefield, West Virginia. And I was going through their accession list. There were no less than eight different full cataloged accession documents that could potentially have more information about Vasper. Or oh, at least okay. or at least the area where he was living and how it was running. And I just I was like, wow. So I had a whole list of these down to look at that hopefully someday I'll get to do. But I mean, it had anything from reports and clippings, maps, publications from the actual. We need to do a sister getaway. Yeah. And go and retrieve those. And then while we're at it, we can go look at the pretty mountains. (laughs) Yeah. No, I love the mountain. The land out there is amazing. I know. It's so pretty. So pretty. They also have an oral history collection. So there potentially be, could be somebody who discusses things where unless you listen to it, it's not going to be indexed or cataloged because it's on a tape. Yeah. So that, that kind of makes me like, ooh, I wonder if any of these people discuss him, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, he made so. some waves. <laughs> now, finding this one article then led me to obviously wanting to peruse newspapers.com mm-hmm. a little bit more. And actually ended up being so a lot of a it. a lot more. of the things that you find, is it on newspapers.com? Um, yes. Okay. Not sponsored. Not yet. sponsored yet. Um. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I do. I find a lot of stuff there. Obviously, it depends on the area because mm-hmm. only certain newspapers. But, um, but most of good, the stuff that's here. a good source. Yes. Okay. At least for the areas I'm looking in, it's been a good source. Yeah, I remember perusing on it before, and that's where I found some articles about, like, for mom. Um, But it's been a while. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah. That's where I got a lot of those articles, too. Yeah, but then you can find articles about, like, possums and Mm -hmm. stuff. Well, you can find those there. I just generally (laughs) ignore them. So there's that. (laughs) How can you ignore an article like that? Easily. <laughs> Talk about rabbit holes. Okay. So what right, did, and I'm, so you found the bankruptcy. So yes. what did you find next? So the bankruptcy, the next thing I found was an article that was about VL Wright mm-hmm. contributing to delinquency of a minor, VL Wright statutory rape. And VL right incest. That's hmm. exactly what the article said. The article was from the area that he was from yeah. in West Virginia. And obviously, when I first saw it, I was like, there are several things that went through my head. One, it's just VL. Yeah. There could be a lot of people that are VL right. I don't know. Absolutely. Two, he doesn't have a daughter. Nobody has ever mentioned a daughter. Mm hmm. Ever. 
It was always he had the boys. Yeah. So I was like, it's got to be a different character. You to accept that this was a very high probability. It was. It's it's now been. I have conclusively. Yeah. Proven the genealogical um, links. Yeah. And I'm not going to go through that in this podcast. I'm doing its own podcast because the ties and stuff that happened to be able to verify that VL was Vasper and that Iris was his daughter, it took a lot of documentation to prove it. Yeah, and I will say um, the fact that Nicole took time to make a detective board to (laughs) substantiate this. It wasn't just for the, it it was also for me to organize everything. Pictures of a literal like detective kind of case board with all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. And it's on the website to help you out. Yes. So So if you're getting confused with names and whatnot, that's why it's there. It tells you what side is the plaintiff or the prosecution, defense, all these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives you a good timeline and spatial representation. Yeah. So it has a map underlying it of where these incidents occurred. Yeah. So if you're more of a visual learner, I think it would be really good for you to check that out. Um, and I'm also including the articles. Mm-hmm. So you can even go through them in the order of time, the timeline order, to see kind of what was going on with Vasper. Yeah. That article, I mean, now we know. So I'm going to be discussing this like we know that this happened. Okay. Another article we found was two more writs. And in that article, I found out that Vasper was sentenced to five to ten years for incest. Mm-hmm. And because of the rape of his daughter. Another thing that came from this particular article is it also told me that there was apparently some testimony that the defense attorney tried to get thrown out because it was hearsay based upon something that allegedly was heard by someone between Vasper and his wife. Okay. And another thing they threw in there is they also had the Department of Public Assistance in Mercer County come to court to discuss the fact that he had already lost um, his kids mm-hmm. because he wasn't able to pay. Yeah, which kind of goes back to the bankruptcy thing. But it was, yeah, it was a character thing Yeah, for him. Well, and it was one of the things that I was reading was they were attacking Iris's character as well. Oh, yes. So just like today, what they do, you know. You know, what's horrible is VL Wright is the only thing that shows up in any of these newspaper articles that I have found to date. Mm -hmm. Iris Wright does show up in a public article as the victim and daughter of VL Wright. She's 15. Which is interesting because I didn't think that minors like their names were a part of newspaper articles and tip, you know, typically, but I don't, I don't know when that began. I don't yeah. think you would see that nowadays. Yeah. I don't think so. Would hope. Uh, you would hope not. 
mm-hmm. um, especially something like it, it, with this nature. Um, yeah. It was just absolutely appalling to see kind of how the defense was throwing out, oh, this they were sleeping in the same room because she he was trying to make it to where she couldn't leave to go do bad things at night or go hang out with anybody and sneak out and she was just a terrible girl who would cuss at him and it was all just more of a discipline thing and um but there was no actual sexual acts it was just because of discipline and i'm like yeah just and really iris iris was 15 whenever mm-hmm. she testified but she said it started when she was 13, 13. and mm-hmm. it was multiple times mm-hmm. and one person actually came in and said that she kicked them out of their boarding house because when she would go in there one bed would have wet sheets now i know that's not like full-fledged evidence mm-hmm. but when you're taking this one piece and putting it together with all these other pieces yeah now i do want to talk about Susie. okay i I am pro Susie. pro Susie all the way like yes way to stand up even though you have a monster yes as your husband so Susie is married to Claude, who is Vasper's brother. Mm-hmm. Claude a, is going to be on. Too. Sorry, no, he is. <laughs> he's going to be on the side of his brother the entire time. Mm-hmm. So apparently, Susie gets the order that she, the subpoena, mm-hmm. to come in to testify on the side of the state. Yep, which means she's testifying on behalf of Iris, and the reason why. She's the one that alerted the authorities to what was going on between Iris and Vasper. Mm-hmm. And also, I know a lot of people might be wondering, where was Iris's mom? Because, you know, so just to kind of, not to take away or anything like that, but it is important to note that we don't know exactly where she is, but we do believe that she was in a mental health um, facility. Institute yeah um and she dies in 46 so she dies when all this stuff is happening yeah so really Susie is the only in my opinion maternal figure maternal figure in her life right now so um yeah and claude would he found out that she was going to testify for um the state he burnt the summons and then beat Susie. Yes. I mean. And basically he was saying like, who are you going to be a witness for? You're going to be a witness for his, in pro for his brother thinking like, no, you're going to submit to my demands and you are going to tell this judge that my brother Vasper would never do anything like that. But her, I loved her response. Yes. Her Go response. ahead. It was a good one. Oh my gosh. Her response was, I'm going to tell the truth. Plain yes. and simple. She Go was Susie. Not about to let this child continue to be victimized by her own father. Like Susie, you're 
you're an MVP. Yeah, and the thing is, she comes kind of from the outside because she marries in and she marries Claude. Maud, another one of Vasper's sisters, has arguments on behalf of Vasper. So she's upholding his moral character and all this, as well as uh, Vasper's son gets involved and is upholding his character and saying that none of this happened, that all these incidents are a lie, that Iris is making them up. Like, to mm-hmm. what end, though? Yeah. Why, well, why? And it's just like, do you think that she was also threatened and she was not as strong as Susie, maybe? Because... I'm sure she was coerced, especially mm-hmm. starting at 13. Yeah. I mean, nobody at 13 would know that to be necessarily okay or not okay. You just wouldn't know about it. And so she was just probably taking in whatever Vasper told her because if she was going around with him. Yeah. And Leo is not a great guy. He's he we know we know through our family that he was also a rapist but he was never prosecuted for it leo. um who which one's leo uh vasper's son oh okay sorry yeah I was like leo which one was he yeah yeah percy's brother yeah well and Percy yeah he wasn't a good person either so no i don't know if i have heard anything about sexual assault necessarily mm. um I but i but it's i have with it leo comes out in the court or something usually stuff like that's very hush hushed yeah like, imagine that know. i knew that i knew vasper was crazy an alcoholic abusive physically never once heard a whisper of a daughter or a sexual assault or incest well, and even whenever we were asking people like we would ask have you ever heard of iris and nobody nobody knew. nobody knew who we were talking about and it's and for something that he literally goes to prison for it's yeah crazy to think nobody knew anything about this girl and I'm just kind of like, oh, I I hope after that her life got better. I'm not really sure how her life turned out after that. Um, I did find that she ended up getting married, but I have not fully tracked her because I just got that information this week. Oh, yeah, that's right. From a document because I called you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because you were very excited. But, yeah, we don't know what kind of life she had after Yeah, that. we don't, unfortunately, you know, yet. What was crazy to me, though, is one of the articles, it was talking about how there were a ton of witnesses in favor of Percy, of not Percy, of Vasper. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, their family, though. Actually, like, like you. Are you, you sound, you're a terrible human. Not you didn't sound like. You are a terrible terrible human being how are you getting all these people to like vouch for you i don't understand remember their family had been around for at least two generations in that area Mm -hmm. so do you think all the witnesses were just family i think i don't think all of them but i think there could have been a lot of influences Mm -hmm. because if you have families that are seven kids and then they're having their families, and you're on the third generation of that. 
Yeah. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to know your family. You know, yeah. now that I think of it too, one thing that we're going to get into, we had talked with our uncle Tony. Yeah, we're going to Vasper. We'll get into that later. But um, I do want to bring up one thing that he had mentioned. He had mentioned how he was such a hard worker, you know, he's yeah. a very hard worker. And so I'm like, well, maybe some of his work people are like, oh, yeah, he, he's a hard worker. He would never do something like that. I'm sorry. Being able to go to work and being a strong person physically does not make you a good person. Oh, it's like all the letters that I've recently heard that have come out to the defense of, um, oh, my God, what Danny was his Masterson. name? Danny Masterson. Yeah. It's, and these were after the guilty verdict. That's the thing. Like, if it was prior to the conviction, I can Okay, innocent to proven it. guilty. Yes. Yeah. I can understand it, but after you're convicted, I don't know. It's, yeah. It's a bit muddled. One thing I did look up, because I was looking at age of consent, because I know it's changed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1880, most states were between the ages of 10 and 12 for the age of consent, Ew. which is young. Delaware, though, it was seven. Oh, se- seven years old. I was... Ugh. No. That's um so my daughter is eight years old. Yeah, no. Nope. She would I, have no. I don't even know what to say to that. That's just Yeah, I read that and I was <laughs> like, no. But by the nineteen twenties, most places were sixteen to eighteen, which is okay. much better. Yeah. Delaware even upped it to sixteen. We'll give them a clap for being a lot better. <laughs> so okay. Georgia was at 14, so that was the, the low-hanging. But okay. 14 still better than t- 7, 12, 10. It's like uh, but I don't understand. Yeah, it's still not okay. Um, and then as of 2007, Colorado, for some reason, they went from 18 to 15. I need to look that up as to why. But most states as of 2007 were 16 to 18. Mm. Okay. West Virginia currently is 16 years old for their age of consent. Because I was looking at it. So unless you were back in the 1880s or in Georgia, she was, no, not even Georgia if she was 13. She would have never been the age of consent at well, 13. Regardless, this was her father. Yeah, it's still incest, like, regardless. Which that brings up another no, point. Like the defense attorney appeal this, and he has granted an appeal. And one of their arguments was is that the warrant served on him said that it was statutory rape, but he was ultimately convicted of incest. But the factors were the same. And they fit mm-hmm. both groups because the prosecutor can choose what to prosecute based upon the fact. So yeah. the defense attorney brings this up and I'm like, well, on what planet is incest not rape? Yeah. It's I, I one don't of, uh, one of the two. It's I don't get it. I don't even know what to say to that because it's just disgusting either way. Um, I guess if I take a step back and try to look at it from a logical standpoint, incest is any age you know like but you could have people that are both adults like i don't still illegal in most states it's still illegal still don't do it that's no but yeah it's 
consent but you could have consensual cons- you know yeah so it wouldn't be rape it would be cons- it would be incest but not rape in that yeah because i i don't know like, but in this case she was a minor things like you know um brother and sister or something like that that yeah scented you know and it's i'm trying again i'm trying to pull myself way back <laughs> but to all the royals that had incestuous relationships. I know, I know. Keep it in the family. No, don't. Yeah. That's, that's Pharaohs. Funny. Yeah, no, there is a long-standing history of it, but we know mm-hmm. now that Look, it leads to problems. <laughs> yeah, that's not real. Uh, I know, but it happened in Game of Thrones. <laughs> All right. But, like, statutory rape, though, I mean, it's... I'm wondering if they went after one over the other because the terms of jail time were more severe. Well, still insufficient you in know? my mind. Five to know. ten years for, since she was 13 to 15, forcing himself on her for that many years, and he only gets a five to ten year sentence. Yeah, that's... And I, I can guarantee... it would be today. I w- see I need to look oh um I don't know with incest but some sentences could be lighter and some sentences could be harsher depends on the jurisdiction you're in yeah and that's the thing it's not very clear cut it can be very different we're all over the place with our yeah terms um so it's not very streamlined. <laughs> well, and I know Iris had to be stressed out when she found out that the appeal was granted. Yeah. And, you know, and here's the thing, too. They want to sit there and they want to say that, you know, belittle her her attitude, if you will, or how she was. It She's surprised me if Iris was acting out. Her mom was not there because she was most likely in an asyl asylum due to most likely, and again, this is conjecture, the fact yeah. that she was married to a monster and then leaving her daughter with him. And then, yeah, even if she wasn't being abused by him, she would... There's so many kids that would act out in that situation without that. And then you add that on. Yep. Girl's lucky she was even like acting out at all and wasn't in a facility herself after dealing with all of that trauma. (sighs) It's like you are the cause of all of that. So, I don't know. I'm just yeah. No, he yeah. heated <laughs> about no. it. So, um, I just really hope that Iris was able to move past it. And I know we found the thing where she had gotten married. I hope she got married to an amazing person and was, you know, just happy. You want yeah. that good ending for her. So, I don't know. That's Well, <laughs> I know Vasper gets out. Yeah. Obviously, he had five to ten. Um, I don't actually know how the parole system worked back then, but I don't know if he would have been on parole or whatnot. Either way, he goes to California because he's trying to probably get away from everything. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, everyone knows this is a small town. Everyone knows what he was convicted of. Everybody knows what 
was happening during those years that he was moving around now. Um, so he goes out to California. The only reason I know this is one, um, my uncle Tony does verify that he was out in California during this time, mm-hmm. but I, his name showed up on a jail register and he was received on the 19th of May, 1958, drunk driving. Oh, yeah. so there, there's your alcohol component, even though we know it from just knowing our family and yeah. Pretty much what we know in the 60s comes a lot from our Uncle Tony, uh, who graciously was willing to talk to us about what he remembered mm-hmm. about his grandfather. And he only had met him, I think, once. Yes. It, he didn't. But it left a memory. Yeah, but it definitely left a memory. And he also had some insight into Claude, too, um, his yes. bro- Vasper's brother. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really happy that we were able to talk to Uncle Tony. We don't get to talk to him. We don't talk to him very often. Like, we're all pretty scattered. So, um, he also really showed how the genera- generational trauma trickles. Yeah. Um, so, just about, I wanted to kind of get into, you know, his life when he was younger, our Uncle Tony, and what, if there were any effects that the abuses actually had on him, and to give you an idea of how these abuses affected him, he said he was already using LSD and heroin by the age of 11, and he could down a fifth of whiskey by 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other way it manifested was through his anger. Mm-hmm. And I will say there was an article about Vasper while he was in jail of him beating somebody up with, I want to say it was a metal pole or a plunger or something. Hmm. Whatever it was, he got his hands on in the jail, which, how? But yeah, apparently he beat somebody up with something. So you see anger. Yeah, and then there was like a a bad check, too. Yeah, <laughs> somebody gave... In jail. <laughs> He's well, getting fraud. He so. he was he didn't write the check. Somebody wrote a check to him, mm. and it it was um a bad check. And I was just like, ha ha, you deserve oh it. <laughs> yeah. So even while he was there, he was getting in yeah. trouble. So he believed they were in um, rock in the late sixties because he was mm-hmm. about ten years old when he went yeah. there. And they were all living in his uh, redone garage because his house mysteriously burnt down. Not the garage, but the rest of the house. So Uh pretty much it was for money. It was to get insurance money. Yeah. And we had always heard that story growing up about how he burnt down his own house and basically laughed about it. And so I had, I don't know, like I just never really thought about it and I never piece together that it was possibly for insurance money but again that goes back to his he's had money issues his entire life so yeah. I, I guess that's one way to try to yeah you wouldn't want to do something and ethically and no, legally don't do anything ethically no do do an extreme don't yes. go and get a job. God forbid. That's sarcasm. Don't do this, guys. Burn your um, car down. Oh, that's another story for another day. Nope. Yep. <laughs> Stupid. I don't think that was even for insurance money. That was just because animosity. He was. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he's 
He's a work. It wasn't Vesper. It's okay. We'll no. talk about him later. Yeah. Um, that was my own personal story. <laughs> <laughs> Tony did recall that um, Vesper owned approximately 10 firearms. And so, of course, the first thing I did was Google when did um, felons not be able to have firearms. And it was I didn't even think after of that. <laughs> It was well after this time. Now, though, it's not just felons. In a lot of places, you can't own a firearm if you're convicted of a domestic violence offense. Smart. Yeah, you shouldn't it is. be able to. It's smart. But any kind of violence charge, you shouldn't be allowed to have a weapon. Sorry. No, I'm okay like, with that. You just shouldn't. Oh no, a lot of the people I have met and seen, I wouldn't want them to have. Yeah, weapons. any violent crimes, assault, whatever it is, you should not be allowed to have a weapon. Yeah. So Claude was over there, and apparently what they like to do is shoot at the kids' feet and make them dance. And Vasper was there in the corner laughing about mm-hmm. it. But these kids thought they they a didn't know if they were blanks or not and honestly i don't think they would have purchased blanks so i think they're real bullets um in the fear that that would cause a 10 year old kid to know that not only is he being shot at he's being shot at by a family member yeah that's not okay on any level i you know, I know we grew up with some really jacked up stuff ourselves. You know, but like that, mm, yeah, that's that takes it to a whole nother level of mind games. Yeah, and it's the it's the laughing part too. That yeah, just, that's not what the kind hey, of person he was. Hey, you shouldn't be shooting towards my kids. grandchildren. <laughs> Can you please put the gun up? I mean, they're probably both drunk, but even not even yeah. then, I mean, come on. That's, that even makes it more scary. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, what? Now they're not even aiming properly. Right. Uh, they're not even in the right state of mind and they're handling a weapon? No. Oh. Like, I remember whenever dad would sit there and he would do skeet shooting whenever he was drunk. Oh, God. <laughs> it would terrify me. I was like, ah. <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't care to be around that. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. Uncle Tony did iterate that Vasper was extremely strong from his years of manual labor. Mm-hmm. He uh, he said that they would all get together and wrestle. And this isn't a normal grandfather children sort of way ish thing. Yeah, rough housing kind of stuff. Even at 60 years old, he was able to take on even um, Uncle Tony's older brothers. So he was he was a strong guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, Uncle Tony said he could outwork anyone. Now, one thing he did recall is that Vasper, they lived on a very mountainous road. We're talking about switchbacks um, where that mile takes a lot longer than your normal city mile to get. Mm-hmm. And he said that they would drive around at fast speeds after drinking alcohol mm-hmm. and just kind of have fun driving as fast as they can on this road that has these switchbacks, curves, and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah. They would wreck the car and they would go and get a new car and do it all over again. It was like a game. Yep. A very dangerous, stupid game. So from this interview, we learned that both Vasper and Claude were physically, emotionally, and mentally abusive towards, you know, their spouses and their kin, Mm -hmm. their family. They had no, you know, they were both uh, heavy drinkers drunk most of the time from what he said and we're not sure if claude ever broke the quote-unquote generational curse as we call this um Mm -hmm. because i haven't really looked into him but vasper arguably does not he passes away in 75 um even before he passes away my heart who will be we'll be talking about him after i discuss iris because i think she deserves a place in this as well. Um, Percy, his son, is shot by police in 1972 in his own home. Yeah. So that's a story. That's kind of where we're going with that next generation will be Percy, which was Uncle Tony's father. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. If you're keeping, you know, track at home. So mm-hmm. he passes away. He really can't you know hurt people at that point but he did a lot of harm before passing away that's still manifesting to this day because that's how generational trauma works yep you know i think one fortunate thing um you know i am super proud of where like our mom is and uncle tony yes um oh yeah uncle tony is doing really well today he is married to a wonderful person um whenever we were talking to him he had one of his uh (laughs) grandchildren basically (laughs) yeah background and he was just watching the football game you know doing the Doing the family guy thing, like a not the show, uh, but doing the good, you know, just yeah, enjoying he, his life. He with his family ended up going to jail, which was a huge transition for him. And mm-hmm. then around the age 20, he said he was able to find religion and God and Christianity, and that's what helped him get out of this bondage chains yeah absolutely yeah how to get out of this cycle because that was something positive and that gave him something to look forward to in life and whatnot and so he was able to break that cycle which hopefully then means anybody he touches in life their cycles can be broken too if there are any there absolutely like yeah so i'm proud of him Mm -hmm. He did a good job. I am. I am. And he's, you know, one of the, I think one of the things too that stuck with me is with Uncle Tony is even in the midst of talking about Vasper and all of the things that he had remembered about him and that he experienced with him, he still is able to find a redeeming quality. Like he was still like, he was a hard worker too and he didn't know about some of this other stuff he didn't like he didn't even know about some of this stuff um 
but it's just kind of speaks to his character about how our uncle really does strive to even in the midst of all the crap and just bad he's trying to find something that's positive which i i just think that speaks volumes about our uncle's character yeah i find that very difficult i can't do do it whenever we talk about a person like this like i don't think he was a good person no i'll say that i i just think I, i can't but yeah. I mean, and I don't even, I can't remember if he said that about this guy or about his dad, which his dad, he. Oh, Percy? Yeah. Like he was saying how he was a very hard worker. He said it about both of them. That like, that was a trait that passed down to him through both yeah. of them was the hard work. Yeah. Because I mean, there's, yes, we're talking about generational trauma but there are also things like positive that can be passed down through generations that can Absolutely. give you a, a foot up. So, mm-hmm. we just- well, and that's what, you know, we hope, you know, whenever I, you know, like with my daughter, it's kind of pulling all the weeds out and keeping the flowers. Yeah, that's a good know? one. So that was Kelly Clarkson. Oh, thank you. Of course it was. Um- <laughs> but i do think that's something that is a good imagery for this kind of thing because there's i don't know we had thorns all over yeah like do not pull out (laughs) yes so but yeah being able to take all the good and replace all the bad with something positive you know is something that i think is a turning point for families and it does take i think a lot of work a lot of insight and a lot of just therapy standing yeah therapy um and just surrounding yourself by positive people you know and i think that was kind of my saving grace whenever we were growing up is i did surround myself with positive people like you know I was very invested in choir um I was involved in you know church um and so I was fortunate to have those positive influences around me and those kind of helped balance yeah some stuff to some degree yep Remember, you can go on the website. You can see this more like visually. You can. I'm going to have the articles posted up there so you can go through the timeline of VL, right? All of this information was originally received while I was doing genealogical searches, and I just needed more context and more information. So I will have all the source links to anything that I even mentioned during this podcast posted on that website as well mm-hmm. until next time until next time guys remember be to stay human. be human be a, be it's human. not stay it's be human be human <laughs> thank you bye be human. bye <laughs>